Welcome to Project Healing, a podcast about growth, authenticity, and difficult conversations. Here, you'll find a mix of real-life experiences, inspiring humans, and some spiritual insight. I'm your host, Jenna Krasinski, and I believe that we truly have to feel our pain in order to heal it. Community is a huge part of the process of healing, and I invite you to come along and dance through the ups and downs of life. This is Project Healing. Welcome back to Project Healing. I'm your host, Jenna Korosinski, and I'm super excited today because I am not alone here on Project Healing. Today, I am joined by my beautiful friend, Karen Westbrook of Nightingale Soul. Say hi, Karen. Hi there. (laughs) So Karen and I originally connected through a reading, right? It was, I think that's where we first chatted was... Through yep. reading. I can't even remember how I, I don't know if it was on TikTok or what, but it's been over a year ago. Yes. Yeah. So we connected through a reading and we just had this, I don't know, our energies just synced up with one another and we had a beautiful experience together. And ever since then we have, we've latched on and we haven't let go. <laughs> That's true. I did take a couple of classes. Oh, true. Yes, this you know? is true. Yep. So Karen yeah. did intuitive development with me, which is, I, I giggle when I think about it because Karen didn't need me for intuitive development. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things where it was like, I already know what I'm doing, but now you're just confirming it for me. Right. So <laughs> um, Karen is a highly intuitive soul, um, a beautiful healing energy. Um, and and Karen, you're just so full of wisdom. I'm just going to beef you up right now. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, okay, gonna... go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> so full of wisdom. And the thing that I love about you, Karen, is that in every situation, you, um, you just have this way of connecting it back to, um, your spirituality and the spiritual spin on it. And it's been, it's been beautiful for me to witness. Um, we've had a lot of deep conversations together about our personal journeys and our journey together. Um, and I think that you've brought me to a lot of aha moments about myself and who I am and who I am um, walking toward being as well. So just want to thank you for the energy that you bring um, to the table. And I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Well, I am too, especially since I'm kind of shy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not going to lie. I was a little shocked yep. when Karen said, hey, I'll come on Project Healing. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I've been, one thing that you've helped me with is, is you know, um, it's like I've, I've known all along all these different experiences and gifts and, you know, all the woo-woos and um, synchronicities and all all my life, you know, and, um, you know, I'm kind of like, are you sure? Does this sound crazy? Are you sure? You know, I'm seeing this is, am I crazy? You know, you're like my, um, touchstone, you know, when it comes to no Karen, you're not crazy. You know, (laughs) you're extremely gifted. I'm like, really? (laughs) Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah, She doesn't give herself enough credit, but it's a work in progress. Right. And I think that's a thing for a lot of us um, that are intuitive. Um, We have been connected to our intuition for so long. And for some of us unknowingly that we still question ourselves from time to time. So it's nice to have another person that we can like bounce those hits off of, or these things that we come up with and go, am I crazy? <laughs> We're both mm-hmm. crazy. We're equally crazy. So. <laughs> <laughs> but in a good way. Yes. Yeah. Right. In all the best ways. Absolutely. Um, so Karen and I were talking about um, in a private conversation about how um, when we go through these different traumatic events in our journey, um, it can influence our our spiritual take on life and just influence our connection to spirituality overall. So we thought it would be a cool conversation to um, come together on and bring to Project Healing. 
um, because we know there's somebody else out there that um, probably will resonate with this feeling of how um, our spirituality has kind of evolved as we've experienced different things in life. So that's what we're talking about today. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. So um, when, when did you really discover your connection to your spirituality? Like, did you grow up in a religious family or tell me a little bit about that? Yes, I did. I, I was raised in the church from the, you know, from birth until, you know, my um, late teen years. Um, we were kind of there every time the door opened, um, that type of thing. And um, it was, I was raised, I was born in Methodist church and raised in the Baptist. So, you know, I got a lot of Bible thumping in my, <laughs> in my upbringing. So um, yeah. And then um, at the same time in my later teen years, even though we were, you know, I was going to church all the time, it was my main source of um, friendship and um, entertainment. Um, my mom was, I was going through my mother, um, you know, became an alcoholic and stuff like that. So it was kind of a weird, weird um, combinations of environment. And, you know, you know, my dad was making sure I was there every time the doors were open at church, but my mother on the side was taking me to see psychics, (laughs) you know, so it it was kind of a, a blend from the very beginning which I am thankful for because I do have the strong foundation in spiritual belief. It might have, you know, it's morphed over the years, but that foundation has really kept me. um, um, I don't know if the word is safe, but um, it was something I could fall back to that was, I believed in and was, you know, very comfortable with. Like I said, but at the same time, you know, my spirituality has evolved. So um, I've been I've been around, like I said, my mother, I don't know if you're familiar with Casadega. You know, it's a it's a city here in Florida that was founded by a spiritualist. Yes. But the whole the whole town is nothing but this you know, like a spiritualist camp, you know, they have their church and they do healing services, just all sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I started, I remember my first reading, like when I was 15. Oh, wow. So, um, like I said, it's just been, and it went from there to, you know, I started doing readings with cards, but they were, uh, I was taught by a woman that did them on a regular card deck. Mm Mm-hmm. And I started doing readings and then um, my spirituality kind of went on the back burner when I went, when I met my husband, he didn't believe in all of that. So it went on the back burner with that. And, you know, it's just been off and on over the years. It's always been there, but you know, how I, how involved I was with it and how um, much I was developing was very much dependent on, what my circumstances were at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I absolutely relate to that too. Um, Just hearing you reflect on your journey. I had a a different experience, but um, at the same time, I always knew there was something more. I saw my first physical spirit when I was seven. Right. So I always knew that there was more to me and more to life than just like this life. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but being so young, you're just kind of like, okay, whatever. Seeing that, um, my uncle just kind of show up after he passed made me go, Whoa, wait a minute. And I come from a very, (laughs) my family was all Catholic. Right. Mm -hmm. So any sort of talk of ghost spirit, that type of thing is essentially devil worship. And, and that's it. Right. right? Exactly. You don't talk about it. Um, But I uh, still, it didn't stop me from having that interest. It was like this natural instinct, but 
hearing what you said about when you got with your husband and you kind of put your spirituality on the back burner because of his beliefs really resonates with me because that's kind of how my experience was too. If I was around people that I felt like I could be open with about it, I was more likely to explore it. And I was also, it was easy for me to just kind of turn it off because it still felt like this taboo thing if people didn't believe. So, um, and that can be kind of stifling when you're, you know, who you are and what you believe in, but you can't express that. Um, and you know, what's so crazy is it, even in the, the Bible, the King James version that we ended up with after the Catholic church got finished slicing and dicing it, um, You know, it talks about the gifts of the spirit in the Bible. And I'm like, what? You know, this doesn't make sense. And, you know, when I was, you know, probably a senior in high school, I started going, my best friend was going to Assembly of God Church, which is really intense. And, um, you know, they would have people speaking in tongues and then somebody else, you know, would be gifted with the interpretation and all this kind of stuff. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, but wait a minute, you know, I know about it with the the psychics and all that kind of stuff. And you say that's wrong, but yet it's in your Bible and it's okay to do it in church. You know, I was like, okay. But, you know, I know now, I mean, because I can, I can, I think they call it light language now. Yes. Mm -hmm. I can do it at a drop of a hat. You know, I just don't do it. But I can remember that whole conflict in my brain about, okay, you say it's wrong, but this says it's right. And yeah, that kind of thing, too. So it's interesting how the, for a lot of people, I think their spirituality starts in church. Yes. You know, it's not like, you know, you're not raised around any of that. And then all of a sudden, like a light bulb goes off, there has to be at that early age, there has to be some sort of kind of, I don't know, some kind of connection or something to me. Right. Right. Yes. So you went through that part of your life where you had to kind of shut your gifts down, shut your connection down, um, to that part of yourself. And do you mind talking a little bit about, about like what led you back to like different parts of your journey? Well, you know, it was so funny whenever, you know, I was married. Um, I think I told you this. No, when, when my husband and I started dating and everything, all of a sudden, uh, we started collecting antiques. You know, and it was always around the same time period and everything. So, um, you know, it's like this was going on. It's not acceptable. You know, I don't want it in my house. I don't want you da 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 But at the same time, I don't know how I managed to do it, but I managed to um, connect with a licensed psychiatrist that used, um, hypnosis for past life regressions. Mm. And what was so interesting was, is, um, one of the past lives I went to was like during the civil war. And it was, I mean, extremely, you know, fine details and this kind of stuff, which I couldn't, I couldn't discuss with my husband but yet it triggered off dreams with him. Oh, wow. Of the same time period. And, um, you know, when he was a prisoner of war and, you know, even down to, he had this dream about how, you know, they would come along and take all your belongings or whatever. And the only thing he had was his wedding band. Mm-hmm. So while he was standing in line, he knelt down and dug a hole mm-hmm. in the ground and put his wedding band in there and then stood back up. So he was like, I'm not going to let him have this, you know? So it's interesting how, even though you're going through your, you know, you're going through your experiences and everything, it can set somebody off who, who doesn't believe in it. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, it's really interesting. So definitely. I know like when I, Hmm. 
I think one of my biggest like breakthroughs in my journey, as I said, I felt connected in a different way most of my life. But when I went through a really traumatic experience with a loss, a pregnancy loss, that is like, was kind of like the catalyst for me to question Mm -hmm. more, you know, I always had the questions because I think for some of us, that's our natural way of being is like, well, why, why, why we Mm -hmm. all have that like inner three-year-old that wants to know why for everything. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was definitely me. But when I went through, uh, a traumatic loss of a pregnancy, um, it kind of sent me into the, like this spiral of like needing to know more. I just knew that there was more of a connection out there that I was missing. And that was, that caused me to dive well into that rabbit hole, like to the point where I never came back out of it. It was like, right. this is right. the moment. <laughs> so what was your moment? Do you think that you kind of dove in and never looked back? Um, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of times over the years, you know, I've, I've got stories a million of, you know, just weird, freaky stuff and everything. Now I have never, unlike you, I have never seen a physical spirit. Mm -hmm. I get the picture in my head. I get the, you know, when I close my eyes at any given time during the day, it's like a a running movie, you know? Um, so my, you know, my experiences and everything, I had, I had so many over the years, I really do. And they're all, um, I remember one time I had my, um, astrological chart done and all of my planets are on the bottom half. Mm -hmm. So it looks like a bowl. Okay. (laughs) And it's all about collecting experiences in this lifetime. Oh, wow. You know, so I've got, like, a, you know, I've got stories a million, pictures a million, just all sorts of stuff. But I think what really um, a pivotal moment that seemed to go on for years, because it did, um, was when I found myself, my husband and I divorced and um we had a daughter together, but we still maintained civility and everything for her. And um, the pivotal moment that I remember is um, finding out I was unexpectedly pregnant, mm. single, you know, with a daughter. And um, my husband was died. Well, my, I still call him my husband was um diagnosed with acute lymphocytic leukemia so it was literally right when I found out I was pregnant unexpectedly he tells me that he's got this you know this big huge thing yeah and it was very upsetting to me at the time because I felt like I needed to be there for him Mm. but at the same time I had a world of stuff going on with baby daddy you know And through that, through that time period, everything, I mean, it's, you know, I always say it's like a bad country music song because it's just, it was so, so much trauma and everything. But I think that um, I had been told a few years earlier that if I wanted, if I wanted to I would be presented with the option to have another child Mm. and if I chose to do that it would be a son and you know she told me some about him and everything and that was several years earlier but I um I think finding out you know at that time in my life and finding those things out and then at the same time um it was such a catalyst for me trying to figure out because of all that occurred during that. I mean, I was abandoned by family. We were never close, but I was abandoned by family. I was in, ended up it being an abusive physical relationship. He tried to kill me when I was pregnant with my son. Mm-hmm. Um, just 
all this stuff. And in the middle of it, like I said, I reached out to family. Nobody would help me. I was having to deal with my daughter, you know, um, and trying to support her as much as I could while her father was going, you know, through treatment and his subsequent death. And, um, you know, it was like my, my work situation, you know, trying to get, you know, at one point in time, I tried to get help through the employee assistance program to try to find a way to get out from where I was living with him, uh, with my son's father. And there was just all this um, conglomeration of like abandonment, whether it was from friends, um, trying to find out, get help from social services. I made too much money to get any help, but not enough to get out of the situation because he had he'd gone through my bank accounts. And I mean, just totally stripped bare and having this, this life that I was, you know, solely responsible for. I knew there wasn't going to be any kind of help or whatever. And, um, you know, my, my daughter's father died at the same time. My son's in, you know, ICU and just all this kind of stuff. I think just, it just near, it just really knocked me flat. Yeah. And, you know, I was so scared to death of, of dying or being killed or, um, it just, it took me back to like square one to where, even though I had this other part of me going on, it took me back to just the basic fundamentals of praying. Mm. It took me right back to my training as a child. And um, that is the only thing that got me through was that basic um, foundational bricks that I had been raised with. And, um, you know, I knew about angels because I had grown up with angels. So I knew I had them. And calling in my angels and my guides and everybody, I was just like doing a like, like a all hands on deck type thing. Yeah. So when I called them, you know, called them in and started really depending on all of them to keep me alive mm. and, you know, my son alive everything I was going through with my daughter, with the loss of her father, you know, a, just horrible ex times. It was that, that I had the foundational, but I also had the, you know, the spiritual realm that, you know, just calling on them was the only thing I could do. The only thing that kept me, kept me safe and sane and everything else. And that's when I started getting, you know, course there wasn't anybody around to tell me no anymore so I got back in you know really deep with my guides and spirit and everything and I swore I'd never let anybody take that away from me ever again mm. because it was my lifeline to try to get through what I had to get through yeah so um, that was my son's 24 so you know, 25, 26 years ago, you know, I got back to it. Right. My problem has always been that I, you know, trying to hold on to that when I'm getting overwhelmed with our physical world, mm -hmm. you know, antics and events, you know, I, I sometimes kind of just, I think I get overwhelmed and just kind of lay back a little bit with my spirituality over the last 25 years, but it's always there. I'm always talking to somebody. I'm always, you know, this type <laughs> of thing, but I really see that as the pivotal moment of when I was like, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't continue not being with my people, so to speak, and right. not having them here 
And um, like I said, I was like, nobody's going to take that away from me ever again. You know, so over the years, of course, my kids have, I've had an older, you know, my daughter, um, over the years, they've grown up seeing their mama, <laughs> you know, burning candles and incense and playing the woo woo music and, <laughs> you know, the whole full, the whole moon rituals and all this kind of stuff and everything. And now, you know, my kids are just like, oh, mom's out there burning stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it must be a full moon or a new moon or something, you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> what planet is doing what now but you know this is the thing we we wanted to talk about how our traumas influence our spirituality and and brings us to that that place where we we really start seeking those answers right that we can Uh for some of us we can only find through our spirituality and um I think the basis of this for a, a lot of us is that when we are living through these traumas, that's, that's equivalent to our dark night of the soul. If we're talking about awakening, right? So we're going through these things that we feel like we're in this never ending pit of yuck, right? <laughs> where it's like, you almost throw your hands up and go, okay, universe, what else do you have for me? Some of us, we choose a different path. And that is just what you said, Karen, that is the path of survival and saying, no, no, no. I know inside me somewhere that I'm here for some sort of purpose. We may not know what that purpose is, but I think that when we experience these heavy and, um, intense traumas that brings us to that place of questioning for, not only like our survival, but also the survival of those around us. Right. Like I know for me, my thing was when I was going through my darkness, my, my tough moments, um, I knew I had to be there for my son too. And that's what I was hearing you say about being there for your daughter. Like you, in a way it was like, you felt something bad may happen, but on the other hand, you were like, no, I need to be here. I need to move through this. And we find these tools and this, this, these inner voices, if you will, that, that guide us through that and our traumas and our dark night of the soul is an important part of the process. And I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for that part of it. Right. That that's a huge part of why we're so enlightened and we're so full of wisdom and we're always seeking and we're always wanting to help others is because we were once in that pit of impending doom, if you will. Which, you know, brings up the whole question. Does everybody have to go through um, a trauma to get really that, um, what's the word I want to say? get brought down to that that basic survival in order to reach out to the spirit world right or you know and there's there's so many people that you know um don't have that Mm. that you know never had any kind of foundation never anything you know and i think of i really sympathize with them because I don't know what I would have done. I don't think, I honestly don't think I'd be here today and be alive and my child wouldn't have survived and all that kind of stuff. If it hadn't, hadn't been for that, Mm. you know, that belief and that foundation. Yeah. Well, you know, and we think about like just what we've experienced in the last two years and how many people are now tuning into their own spirituality because of what the world experienced, right? So Mm -hmm. for some of us, we are already into our journey because we had these personal experiences just in our, in our life, our personal lives. But then the world went through this collective shift where we all kind of experienced this is like somebody turned the TV off for all of us, right? Like there was right. no more regularly right. scheduled programming. And 
a lot of people went, ah, and that was the moment that brought them to questioning everything. Um, I don't know that I've ever, oh, what's that? We're seeing record number of people quitting their jobs. We're seeing, you know, moving, selling everything, going off the grid, you know, all of this. And it's because that, you know, being a nurse, I've, you know, I've been a nurse for over 30 years, you know, illness is the great equalizer Mm. because it doesn't matter who you are, how much money you've got, you know, any of your connections, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, um, you know, Barack Obama gets as sick as Joe Blow down at the, you know, at the gas station or whatever. It's, you know, when you're sick, it doesn't matter, you know? Right. So, but this has been, this, this, this COVID thing has really kind of, um, like I said, like you were saying, for a lot of people, it's been their aha moment, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and on another note, you know, being a nurse and the majority of my work being done in, you know, trauma and ERs and, um, you know, hospice and things like that. That's when I learned that um, it's going to sound Kevorkian, but how good I am at helping people die, Mm. you know, and, you know, I was told at one time that I'm a crossover guide, you know, but I couldn't, I couldn't have, I had so many spiritual encounters and experiences with my own patients going through those different difficult times and going undergoing treatments and everything all the way up to it's not working anymore. We got to switch you over to hospice and all this kind of stuff. They, my, it's such an intimate relationship Mm. between a patient and a nurse and, or, you know, I don't know how it is nowadays, but I'm old school, but, um, you know, um, there's always been these little lessons all along, whether it's from my work, from my own personal life, you know, there's always been this little, you know, feeding and pushing and, you know, remember and, you know, this type of thing, you know, I'm I'm positively um, convinced that when I do leave this world, my patients are going to, some of my patients are going to be there waiting for me. Mm. That's how, how, spiritually close we got you know and then you know having experiences like you know being down the hall taking care of one patient and going to another patient's room on the other end of the hall and they're telling me what I was doing down there and you know just a, a, a whole that's just a whole book in itself right there right yeah <laughs> Well, but do you think that your awareness of that is greater because of your connection to your spirituality? I'm just thinking of people that I know that maybe have not gone through, not that they haven't experienced traumas, but traumas happen on different levels for everyone, right? right? And not everyone's experiences bring them to the same um level of self-awareness, I guess, is where I'm where I'm going with this. And do you think that your level of not only self-awareness, but also awareness of your surroundings is impacted more because you've been connected for so long? I think, you know, I think so. You know, I always wonder, and I do know this on on several different um, levels, there are people out there that just, that don't even have the thought that there might be something else. Right. Or there might be something working in their lives or, you know, this type of thing. And um, so I think all of that, it was like my, my, my antenna was up, mm. you know, when I was in nursing school, they didn't know what was going on with a patient. Karen, go in there and talk to them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Because I would go in there and talk to the patient or whatever, and I'd know instantly what was going on, what they're, yeah. you know, what they were, you know, holding back for, why they didn't want to get this, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'd walk out and go back to the doctor and go, well, this, 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 you know. So um, thinking it was, 
you know, a lot of people put it down to, oh, they'll tell a Karen anything. But I knew that I was not only, you know, I was seeing things on a different level. Right. right. And from a different perspective, you know, yeah. than, than just as a, just as a healthcare professional. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. You know? Yeah. I mean, just like digesting all of this and thinking about it, you know, I think that for a lot of us that are walking our path to healing, it can be easy to get stuck in the like, why me or the the woes of the things that we experience. But having this conversation with you and thinking about the beautiful connections that have come to us because of the things that we've experienced, it just hits a little bit differently, right? Like right. I'm really grateful um, that I chose to move through my struggles because that helped me connect with other people that have similar stories. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel the same way that like, Oh, definitely. I mean, even when it comes to, um, you know, like I said, a lot with my patients, but it also, you know, one thing um, I learned very, another thing I learned through the abuse and all that kind of stuff is, you know, as a nurse, an ER nurse, you know, we get jaded and we see this and we see that and everything. And one of the the things that I learned was, is don't ever assume that, you know, it's just easy for a woman who's being abused comes in the ER, you know, just to say, okay, you need to file charges. You need to do this. You need to do that. You know, and they're like, no, you know, I'm not going to file charges. I just want to get fixed and go home and this and that and everything, you know, and I would make such judgments Mm. about that. I mean, I was really harsh. I didn't say it out loud, but I was saying to myself, this woman must be crazy. You know, why the hell would she want to go, back, you know, and this and that. And she's not pressing charges. And by God, she ought to. And then what happens is the universe is, shoves my face in it. Mm. Puts me right in the same position, pregnant, single, abusive relationship, nowhere to go, all this kind of stuff. You know, so some of the spiritual lessons and everything that I've learned have been through patients, like I said, but not in the way that you would think. Yeah, it was it was it seems like everything that I I in my life that I've judged or thought I knew about or whatever. At some point in my life, spirit has taught me no. Mm -mm. And if you can't, you know, my daddy used to always say, if you can't listen, you can feel Mm. Oh, I love that. that. In other words, if you can't listen to, you know, advice or what's being said to you or teachers or whatever, if you want to ignore that, then you can feel the consequences. Mm. You know, so um, that's another way my spirituality has always, you know, has consistently kind of, you know, at times just been in my face was through patience. But like I said, in a different, in a different a different way, you know, you know, just bringing me back down to, you know, kind of like, who do you think you are? Big no judgment <laughs> type thing. <laughs> so there's just so many, there's so many, um, what do they call them? Like check-in points that I can look at back in my life, you know, you know what we forgot to talk about? What's we'll that? Save this for another time. The, um, the experience I had when I was 18 ah, and yeah. being in front of the council and all that kind of stuff. We'll have to do it. We'll yes. I would love that. Time. I feel like that needs its own episode in itself because that that's, yeah. that is a whole story. Um, you know, the beautiful thing about um, spirituality, I think, and those of us that are walking that path to healing with our, our spiritual um, selves connected to that is our ability to reflect. Mm 
And what, if you could, you know, rewind time, which we can, we can do in meditation, but we can't necessarily do in this, in this real world matrix that we're living in. But if you could, um, rewind time and go back to yourself while you were experiencing that dark night of the soul, would you lead yourself to prayer again? Or do you think you would offer yourself some, some different tools to get through that time? Where would you start if you could guide yourself through it now being who you are and what you know now? Um, if I could go back during that time period, um, I think self-sacrifice has always been an issue for me. Mm. You know, not only, you know, the one detrimental thing about being raised in the church is, you know, I was taught that if you just love somebody enough and in the right way and pray for them, God would change the situation and would change that person, you know, because of all of the love that you're giving you know, so I would go back and I'd tell, tell myself, you know, you can't fix this. No matter how much you love, no matter how much you sacrifice, no matter how much you give, you know, what you put up with, what you take physically, emotionally and everything, you can't fix this. Right. And, you know, nurses want to fix things anyway. Mm hmm. And then you, you know, load the, the religious stuff on top of it that you were raised with and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, I really got myself in that innocence, so to speak, because it was an innocent um, view. Mm-hmm. Um, I really got myself in very dangerous, um, traumatic places and um learning that that's one of the things i think that the impact during that time and why i why i say this because it there i did have a certain innocence about me i had never been around anybody who drank i had never been around anybody that did drugs except in high school we smoked pot but other than that you know but you know, there I was exposed to a totally different alien world. Yeah. And I I tried to fix it in the ways that I only ways I knew, and that was by just gutting myself. So I would go back and I would I would try to find a way to just, you know, just get it through my head that you can't fix this and you need to cut it loose and go on, you know. Because I right. wasn't able to do, I wasn't able to do it. Right. So that's one of the things I would do is I would definitely go back and, you know, I regret all of the times that I sacrificed myself. Yeah. Whether it was just like my not doing my my spiritual work, you know, when I was with him, to you know sacrificing uh, my home or you know almost my life the life of my child and all this kind of stuff. And it drug on for years, me trying to fix the situation, trying to make a man, a father and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I just, I really regret a lot of that, a lot of that, but I was coming at it from the only way I knew or the only, you know, nobody, nobody taught me to stand up for myself. Right. Nobody taught me that I was my own advocate you know, I'm hoping that, you know, the next generations and the the children that we're raising and the people that we're around are learning that. Definitely. That's one thing that I come back to too, is that like, where would I start if I knew where to start, (laughs) if I could guide myself through it? And I agree with you. I would start with appreciation of self and, and, and love of self. Because when we can find that, then that gives us the strength to remove the things in our life that are detrimental to our health and our well-being. Right. Um, so in a way, religion has it right that love is the cure, but the delivery of 
giving that love to everyone else, but yourself is where it's kind of twisted as far as what I've discovered in my path. Right. Well, you know, you know, definitely. So I had it from a religious standpoint and then I don't think it's the same. I don't think it's like that anymore, but you know, back then, whenever I was going through nursing school and everything, it was that sa- that self-sacrificing, you know, you self, you sacrifice, you know, the fact that your feet are hurting and you've been on, been on them for 12 hours because there's a, you know, a patient that needs you a little bit longer to do this before you can go home or, you know, all of that. So we, we aren't taught as children to love or consider ourselves. Right. You know, that never, ever (laughs) came about until just uh, probably the last couple of years I've been working on, you know, on that. But, um, yeah, so it's just very, it's just really profound when you think about it. I don't mean to sound stereotypical, but it really is profound. The things that, you know, if you could go back and like instill that stuff from the very beginning and instill that sense of self-worth and you are important, you are valid, um, you matter. Right. That self-protection, everything. And that was instilled when I was young and, you know, all through, whatever that kind of stuff I probably wouldn't have been in those situations because I wouldn't have allowed it right you know so I hope that we're able to um impact the the generations to come I I agree there is a book there's there are two books that I have for my kids of course I'm going to lose the names of them but I'll link it in the show notes One, I think is just called I am by Louise Hay. Um, And then there's another one too. There are two, but it's beautiful because they're children's books that were written with that, that direct intention of teaching children to affirm who they are at a very young age. And I think that um, that, that whole narrative is, is really shifting, you know, and, and that, we really do have the ability to change the world through how we treat the future generations, right? And a lot of us that are walking this path, we are going back to essentially reparent and um, comfort our inner child. And if we just do that for um, our kiddos and the generations that follow us, we, we really can make a huge wave. So thank yeah. you for sharing um, your story and um, your thought processes around those experiences that you had. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot to uh, to speak on the things that we've experienced. And I appreciate the energy exchange with you, my dear friend. Anytime. <laughs> All right, let's change it up a little bit before we go. We're going to do a conversation card. Who knows? Maybe it'll relate to our conversation. Maybe it'll be totally the way that we work. It probably will. Right. <laughs> let's see here. <laughs> okay. So it's a self-expression card and it says, what do you think about people who make mistakes? <laughs> and here we are. Make this stuff up. Right? <laughs> Just for anybody that's listening that is like, oh, she planned that ahead of time. No, I didn't. And this deck is, I'm, I don't even know how many cards this is. It's a lot of cards though. A lot oh of cards. <laughs> it looks like the one from Trivia Pursuit or something. And it has all those different cards in it. That big old stack. Of 150. 150 cards. And we got the one about making mistakes. So, Karen, what do you think about people who make mistakes? <laughs> bless, as we say in the South, bless their heart. <laughs> I, you know, I've gotten to where, and like I was saying earlier, you know, with you know, the universe put my face right smack dab into, um, 
you know, situations that I always judged and everything, I'm at the point to where I just, I don't, I try not to comment or, <laughs> you know, if they ask me for advice, I might give it to them, but I'm very gentle about it. And uh, I don't, I, I really don't even like giving advice. Right. I really don't, you know, but I just, you know, somebody's making a mistake or whatever. I just, and I'm around and I'm involved in the conversation or whatever. I just try to be like as practical and as supportive as I can be without being judgmental. Cause I do not ever want to go through another experience of the universe, putting my face in <laughs> something that I'm judging somebody else for. I just, it's self-preservation, but it's also at the same time, accepting people where they are. Yes. Yeah. I you love know, that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So you know, for me, it's interesting because um, working in management for so long, it was my job to bring these things to the surface. I was, a, a Karen knows this, but for anybody listening that may not know, I was a child care center director for almost 20 years. So I had to approach situations where people made mistakes with children or parent interactions or whatever. And one thing that helped me um, through that, and this is kind of been the way that I just work it with it now even is when somebody makes what is perceived to be a mistake in my eyes, I see them as their inner child. So I see the child within them that's learning. And I try to, if I, if I have to approach it, I'm with you now, Karen, where it's like, I don't even want to give the advice anymore because I'm advised out. Like I, I did so much of that, but even, you know, doing what I do with intuitive coaching, it's still a part of my journey too, is to help right. guide people, you know, but there is that saying, you can lead the horse to water. You can't force it to drink. Right. But right. I think for me, if I view them and I view their, their inner child, that helps, that helps me recognize, um, what I could potentially help them with and recognize that it's not that it was an intentional thing, but rather a lack of understanding or a lack of, uh, or, or a different perception from their end and, maybe even mine, maybe it wasn't even a mistake. And I just thought it was a mistake. So there's exactly, exactly. (laughs) I mean, some, you know, and, um, you know, for spiritual development, I think sometimes we are, we are put in a situation where we make a mistake in order to learn. Yes. You know, it's, it's kind of harsh, but harsh way to learn. But like I said, if you're not listening you know, we'll, we'll find another way to get the message across. <laughs> yep. That is the absolute truth. Well, thank you again Yep, so much for being here, for sitting down with me. Um, we'll definitely have to do this again because we got to dive into the, these other stories that you oh, have I to know. share. stories. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> for anybody that is looking to connect with Karen, you can find her information linked in the show notes. Um, and as always, thank you for being here and I'll catch you next time on Project Healing. Thank you for listening to Project Healing. If you'd like to connect with any of my guests, please check the show notes for their contact information. If you are loving the show, I'd be honored if you would head over to iTunes or Facebook to leave me a review. If you'd like to support the show, you can head to patreon.com backslash project healing and learn about my different patron tiers and how you can support the show and also invest in yourself and your healing process. Remember, you have to feel your pain in order to heal it.